This podcast is for general educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered medical, practice management, legal, investment, or other professional advice. No one should act or refrain from acting based on this podcast without obtaining appropriate professional advice. We essentially erase the amount of time that you would have had to have spend, spent to, to put together a program. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. CRSG comes in, we work with the practice to hire the right coordinator right off the bat. Um, we supply the standard operating procedures, which are, uh, are, are great SOPs uh, for, for specific to a GI clinical research uh, practice. We also work with the, with the group to understand what the revenue model is going to look like. Welcome to Gastro Broadcast presented by GastroLogic. I am your host, Dr. Naresh Gunaratnam. As you know, I've always been interested in research, and my guest today helps independent GI practices set up and improve their research capabilities. Dr. Chris Foreman is the founder of Clinical Research Strategy Group, which works with groups to develop a sustainable and scalable infrastructure to participate in clinical trials. Dr. Foreman, welcome to Gastro Broadcast. Thanks, Naresh. I appreciate you having me. First things first, how did you become interested in gastroenterology? So... After medical school, I spent some time in the medical side of a pharmaceutical company. And um, this particular pharmaceutical company had a product uh, for inflammatory bowel disease and specifically Crohn's disease. So I spent, um, I spent about seven years in, in uh, that space. Um, I was a medical science liaison and then a liaison between um, the medical affairs team and clinical operations. So I got the opportunity to, uh, to talk with thought leaders across the United States about, uh, about inflammatory bowel disease, both in the academic space and also in the community practice space. Excellent. That's a very unique path uh, compared to most of us. How did you end up in an independent GI group? Yeah, so I, I left the pharmaceutical industry after, um, after some time and I joined Texas Digestive Disease Consultants. Um, and at the time that I joined, uh, TDDC was the, the second largest GI group in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Metroplex. Uh, today, it's, it's much, much larger, as everyone I'm sure is well aware. And TDDC had a few clinical trials going on, but they were at the point with their clinical trials program that they were ready to, um, to either hang it up because it was, you know, it would either break even or, or lose a bit of money every year, um, either, uh, either quit the program or really take it to the next level. And through my experience in the pharmaceutical industry, not only did I uh, work with a lot of thought leaders in the GI space and in the, the inflammatory bowel disease space specifically, but I got to see a lot of clinical research happen um, in, in both academic centers and community practice centers. And so when the opportunity to, to work with Texas Digestive Disease Consultants came about, I utilized what I'd seen um, across the U.S. in terms of research and took the, the best parts of the best programs and really designed from scratch the, uh, the TDDC Department of Clinical Research and Education. Uh, that's really uh, impressive. Um, I started our research program from scratch not really knowing uh, how to do this, so I've made a lot of mistakes and probably took two years for us to really um, scale up. So I think uh, what you're offering is a real great benefit to practices where they can have uh, more of a turnkey operation. So I think there'll be a lot of 
interest in, in the group that you develop. So you really recently started the Clinical Research Strategy Group. Uh, can you tell us about uh, that organization and how you expect to work with GI practices? Sure. And what you just said is a great lead in, Naresh, which is that a lot of GI practices want to build clinical research um, as an ancillary. And as we see other ancillaries like infusion um, over the course of the next five to 10 years, maybe taper off a bit. Um, it's a great move for a group um, to, to consider research as an ancillary. But like you stated, it takes a long time to build research. And, and really there's a lot of, of infrastructure that is, is necessary if you want your research to be not only profitable, but sustainable long-term. And in a lot of folks' experience, what they do is, is you've got a, a great physician that maybe uh, did some research and fellowship or, or back in, in residency and, and sort of has a passion for it. And, um, and so when they finally got their hands on their first protocol, um, they'd go to their best nurse and say, hey, do you want to want to run a research study with me? Well, that sounds great to the nurse because this is a, a neat opportunity. And so they start doing research um, based on the protocol. The problem that comes that there's a lot of, of regulatory uh, that, that feeds in and a lot of paperwork. And, and you really have to understand what that process looks like in order to do very clean research uh, long term. There are also things like sponsor audits and FDA uh, can come in and, and audit your program. And so there's a lot of audit readiness that needs to be in place uh, for, for a group starting out. And frankly, Naresh, I mean, I think anyone could do it if they had the time. So in other words, if, if any of our physicians listening to the, the broadcast were able to, to say, you know what, I'm not going to, 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 to keep my clinical practice going. Um, I wanna take off and just do clinical research anyone can really figure out the pieces and I think do pretty well at it. But the problem is that as gastroenterologists, you want to keep scoping and you want to keep seeing clinic and most are not willing to take off of their, their clinical practice to a large degree. So at that point, you're sort of left with your, uh, your folks like the nurse who's going to help you out in research or, or somebody else to, to help you get things going. And the problem often, oftentimes is that that help is not adequate to really build a clinical research practice to the point of, of sustainability and, and again, profitability. And so, you know, one of the things that I recommend uh, is, is your first clinical research coordinator needs to be very, very, very experienced. I usually look for, if we're starting off a, a GI clinical research practice, I usually look for a coordinator that's got three plus years in phase two and phase three clinical research. And if they don't have at least three years, I'm not interested. A lot of times you'll have resumes from, from folks in the academic world that, uh, that did a lot of bench research and things like that. And so on paper, when you first get one of those resumes, they look fantastic. But those skill sets are not necessarily transferable to, to the, the phase two and phase three clinical research that we do. And so it's really important to have that that uh, first coordinator right off the right off the bat. Yeah, I think these are very important points. When we started, I really had very little appreciation for all of the uh, paperwork and uh, IRBs and compliance and so forth. We we actually had an FDA audit 
which was uh, fortunately we did extraordinarily well, but it was, you know, it was sort of a, a stressful situation where the FDA auditor comes in with a badge. It looks like an FBI badge, like you're going to get <laughs> thrown into jail. But, you know, it's part of their compliance because we were one of the uh, highest recruiters for a uh, trial. So that all, all, all already triggers an FDA audit because they're worried about you're doing you know, fish, fishy things to recruit patients, but you know, we did it. We, we have a phenomenal program, and my my uh, head is a, a PhD in in, uh, um, in in science and had worked for a long time. And she's phenomenal, and I think one of the things I didn't appreciate was the uh, regulatory paperwork, which can consume 60 percent of her time. And she's fortunately been quite outstanding, and that's why our uh, program runs so well. Yeah, absolutely. And you asked kind of how, how CRSG fits into the, uh, the clinical research space. We essentially erase the amount of time that you would have had to have spend, spent to, to put together a program. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. CRSG comes in, we work with the practice to hire the right coordinator right off the bat. Um, we supply the standard operating procedures, which are, uh, are, are great SOPs uh, for, for specific to a GI clinical research uh, practice. We also work with the, with the group to understand what the revenue model is going to look like. It's important in GI clinical research that, uh, that those who participate are adequately compensated in the practice. And that at the end of the day, if the practice, um, if, if the clinical research program is profitable, um, there's a bit of an art to how you uh, how you share that with uh, with the partners in the practice, and that's an important piece. Yeah, no, that guidance will really be helpful. Um, how does having a research program benefit the practice and its patients? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think that's a huge, uh, a, a great question, and it's really paramount to to why you create clinical research and practice in the first place. Um, you know, my, my friend uh, Jim Weber always said it's about first the patient, then the practice, then the profit. So kind of the three P's and clinical research as it relates first to the patient um, gives patients access to, to the latest therapeutics. You know, a lot of these drugs that we're, we're testing today are, are medications that most patients won't have access to for the next five to 10 years. Yet, if you have a clinical research unit in your practice, your patients have access to those things today. Um, so I think that's a huge benefit. And with a disease state like inflammatory bowel disease, where the, the bar for, uh, for ulcerative colitis uh, is, is still about 30%, you know, 30, 35% remission rates, we've got a long way to go before we really uh, get to the point that, that patients are benefiting. The other thing I'll add about, about what, the way it benefits the patient is closer follow-up. You know, with the IBD patients right now, uh, the, the insurance companies, the payers aren't going to pay for a scope every, uh, you know, every three months or every six months or, or anything else. And so the ability to have better endoscopic follow-up with your patients that are in trials is a huge benefit to the patient. We can see if the medications that we're trying are actually working not only clinically, but also endoscopically. So that's a huge point. It's ideal for patients who have, uh, who have insurance issues maybe some of those who have fallen in kind of an insurance donut hole or others who don't have insurance um, in the first place because all of the, the pharmaceutical research is compensated both to the practice um, and, and even uh, you know, to the patient in the form of a stipend uh, 
patients don't need to worry about really bringing anything to the table. And, and that stipend um, is designed to sort of pay them or, or compensate them a bit for their time. And then this is the, the last thing I'll say about the patient piece is it's a great option for tough cases. Um, you know, for every tough case that a, a tough IBD case that a gastroenterologist is able to give up, in this case, maybe send to research, you can do a couple more scopes. So, so these are pretty, a lot of times, pretty sick patients, and, um, and sometimes the right move is to, to send them over for, for a research project. What challenges are you seeing among independent GI practices in terms of building out research capabilities? Yeah, I think we've talked about, about some of those. The, the first thing is just having to reinvent the wheel and, and not being ready to spend all of your time as a clinician managing a, a clinical research program. Um, you know, again, I think if you could take, take more time off of your practice, you'd be able to more adequately manage it. But I mean, that's one of the biggest things um, is just that, that inexperience. And, you know, if you think about it from the standpoint of the protocol, because every one of the clinical studies that we take on has a protocol, right? So it says step one, do this, step two, do this, and step three, do this. Anyone can follow a protocol. It's a lot easier than, than clinical medicine because you, you've got a pathway. But that's not all there is to clinical research. There is the infrastructure behind the scenes. And what I found um, across the U.S. is a lot of folks sort of treat clinical research as a hobby. And those that do it best treat clinical research as a business. So just like the practice, just like an infusion ancillary, a pathology ancillary, you've really got to figure out the business of, of doing clinical research. And a practice that just gets into it on their own would have no ability to sort of foresee what's, what's potentially gonna come down the line and the opportunities that may present, um, as well as the downsides. What advice do you have for young physicians who are interested in clinical and academic research, but are considering private practice? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, academic research centers have the same basic tenets. If you look at what, what makes a, a center of excellence, it's nothing magic. It's the fact that they have clinical research program. They've got highly trained uh, physicians that are, are really thought leaders and specialists in their area. Uh, they may have the ability to publish. Um, they may have the ability to build sort of a medical home type of concept where, uh, where in the case of IBD, like we're talking about, um, really build in things like nutrition and behavioral health and, and those types of, of ancillaries. Um, I, would, I would suggest that research being a, a key part of that, that's something that a private practice can offer a, a, a young person coming out of fellowship almost immediately. And that's one of the key drivers at a center of excellence is that research portion. So, um, so the advice that I'd have for someone just coming out of, uh, out of fellowship is look around a little bit and, and look for the practices that may have the ability to offer more of the academic uh, center of excellence type of tenants because you'll be well served. You'll have the ability to do research, the ability to publish, the ability to take great care of patients. Um, but you'll be able to do that on a, on a salary that's more, um, uh, that's, that's more consistent with, with what uh, you know, a lot of folks are looking for in, in the community practice, private practice setting. 
So where can practice leaders find out more information about Clinical Research Strategy Group? Yeah, so I, I always say people just just give me a call. Uh, give me a call, send me a text. Uh, we have a website. It's uh, crsgtx.com. Um, I know that's a mouthful. I, I had to slow down to even say it. But uh, you can look at the website. It gives you a little bit more information about, uh, about CRSG and what we offer. Um, but, but again, the best way to, uh, to really get involved if you're interested in starting research at your practice or if you've got an existing clinical research program and really want to take it to the next level, the um, best way is to, to get in touch with me. Um, my phone number should be on the website. My email should be on the website and uh, would be really happy just to, just to take a call or, uh, or set up a time to visit. Excellent. Thanks, Chris. Really enjoyed having you and uh, talk to our audience about clinical research. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gastro Broadcast. Find new episodes through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. For information about our hosts, guests, and supporters, visit gastrobroadcast.com. Produced by Steadfast Collaborative.